0: Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini.
1: Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. In today's episode, we are going to continue our exploration of what every lawyer needs to know about new media. Last week, we began our discussion with Doug Sandler. Doug has over 30 years of business experience as an entrepreneur, business owner, manager, and staff member. His book, Nice Guys Finish First, is a number one ranked Amazon bestseller. He specializes in making connections, building relationships, and strengthening bonds, both inside and outside organizations. Don't let the Mr. Nice Guy tag fool you. Doug has entered into many high-level negotiations and is anything but a pushover. You sound like a lawyer, Doug. <laughs>
0: well, it's, it's just that many of my ex-wives, they think I'm pushover, so I just kind of let Oh them
1: my go God. <laughs> <laughs> he has a speaking and consulting business, which is geared towards improving relationships and winning business through his time-tested sales, service, and relationship building system. He's a nationally recognized speaker and writer for Huffington Post, as well as other media outlets. His weekly posts reach over hundreds of thousands of readers. He has been titled by a leading social media marketing company in the top 100 of social media thought influencers to follow. Doug has an awesome podcast, which he co-hosts with Strickland Bonner, which is called Nice Guys on Business. This podcast is nearly 700 episodes strong, as we learned in our last episode, and almost 2 million downloads, right, Doug?
0: Somewhere around there. I lost count. (laughs) Around around 400 because <laughs> Oh
1: my god, you're so funny so doug i feel incredibly blessed to have you on the show i feel like i need to go out and accomplish more thank you so much for coming back and, and joining us for the second half of this uh, conversation
0: my pleasure tina it was funny as i as i'm listening to you read that intro that i guess i guess somebody in my pr team wrote i thought it was or, or your mother
1: my, yeah, it was my
0: mom, but I was joking about that on the first, first time. So go back and listen last uh, to, to all of your community members. Go back and listen to the last episode before you get to this one. You'll understand why exactly I'm so off kilter. But as I was listening to this, I'm thinking, you know, I guess a guy that's pr- proficient at relationship building who has an ex-wife or two out there probably isn't proficient at re- relationship building. <laughs> or maybe or maybe I'm not doing this right. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I take on projects. I'm not 100% that's sure really what's funny.
1: Going. Well, you're really good at giving advice. You're not good at taking your own advice, I guess, is maybe, maybe what the moral of the maybe, story is.
0: Maybe. The what is the cobbler's kids don't have good shoes? Something like that. Yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> so welcome back, Doug. I'm really excited about the second part of our conversation.
0: Thanks, Tina. I'm happy to uh, happy to be here. I'm ready to answer questions for you.
1: Okay. I'm excited. So here we go. So we talked a lot about new media in our last episode, about why it's important for professionals, including lawyers, the different forms of new media, why it's important to explore new media and to not really rely on what has been the traditional ways for people to develop their own personal brand and to get their thought leadership out there. So we know a lot about new media based on our last conversation and all the different facets that it it entails. What in your mind, Doug, as somebody who has played in this space for a long time and is also, you know, has a terrific consulting practice in it, what are some of the pluses and minuses of playing in the new media space?
0: Well, I think for me, it became apparent after after being in this new media space that how scalable a business like this could possibly be. I mean, the new media space is pretty much all electronic. I mean, you're doing everything via computer.
1: Or phone, for example.
0: Or phone. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I do... Uh, most of probably ninety five percent and probably even larger ninety eight percent of my interviews that I do for my podcast are done via Zoom. So I'm face to face with somebody that I've never actually met all over the country. so the the scalability of it from a, a time equals money perspective, you know you can make a lot of money in a short period of time using your computer as opposed to going to meetings. I know that there is a lot to be said about personal meetings and handshaking and all of that. But what I lack in personal meetings, I make up in sheer volume Mm -hmm. of people that are coming through. So I would say that the things that most people don't realize when they start thinking about the new media spaces is is how scalable, how quickly that you can build a business because you get to be very efficient using computers, Zoom, Facebook, social media, LinkedIn. There's so many great ways to reach volumes of people in in an extremely scalable, large way pretty quickly.
1: So how do you just sort of following on that, say you have a podcast, you've bought the equipment, you actually start generating content. You and I have talked about the distribution aspect to taking something that you've created and trying to leverage it across as many platforms as possible. Obviously there's LinkedIn, there's Twitter, there's Facebook. Some people use it for things beyond just personal types of communications do you want to just take a second and talk about distribution networks that may be of interest to people in the audience who are going to do something like a podcast?
0: Sure. I mean, and if you're using podcasting, the biggest area that you probably are going to distribute in the beginning is going to be iTunes. I mean, it's going to be the way that people are going to search for your show or in, on Google. So if you're an attorney and you practice family law, let's say, just go to Google right now and type in, well, after this podcast episode is over and type in the words "family law podcast." And see how many podcasts there are in that particular subject matter. There are probably dozens and dozens and dozens of family law podcasts. It doesn't mean that it's a space that's overcrowded. It means if you have a unique message or even if you have a message of your very own that you just think, hey, I'm better than everybody in family law because I'm more personal than everybody or whatever it is that, that is your zone of genius, that's what you want to bring out as well as your personality on your podcast. So what I would say is from a distribution perspective, iTunes is probably the first area that you want to be. There are many, many networks like C-Suite Radio. That's a a network that I had started with Jeffrey Hazlett.
1: Yes, in which I'm actually part of, and it's been terrific.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's great. It gives you a wonderful association with other people that are in the podcasting space. It also gives you the ability to cherry pick some amazing guests that can come on your show as well, because C-Suite Radio, in this particular case, the C-Suite Network, is all C-level execs or those that provide services to the C-level execs. And what a great market for you to be in, as opposed to just iTunes, which has the world at large. Right. There are many many networks and many distribution channels. Apple has a distribution channel. Roku has a distribution channel. Google has a distribution channel. YouTube has a distribution channel. You can pick and choose where you want to distribute your podcast. And then you can promote those channels through your social media engagement. And what I would say is, Don't underestimate, however, the power of instead of the distribution channel, the power of your interview. So the people you are bringing on your show could potentially be clients for you as well. Um, It's very hard to make a prospecting call, especially as an attorney. Attorneys aren't notorious for understanding how to market; they're notorious for how to practice law well. Right. So just keep in mind that. Forget your marketing hat for a moment, but put on your interviewer's hat. Put on your conversational hat. If you're somebody that's great at litigation or great at relationship building because you're in family law, let's say, bring on people that are also influencers in the family law space. Develop a network with them, and you'll find very quickly. I'm talking about when I say quickly, I mean in two, three, four, five interviews with somebody that might be another expert in that same space that you are. But you're going to find you guys are going to start networking together, building business plans together, developing ideas together and growing your business together. If you focus, I mean, if you just focus on just doing the interview and stopping it and that's it, you're not going to go anywhere. Right. But if you focus on building the relationship with that person, your network is going to grow exponentially just through that. And that's, that's really, from my perspective, when I talk about business strategies with using podcasting in the new media space to your advantage, it's not about building a huge community because that can be done and that will be done, but it takes a lot of time to do that. I want to build my network quickly and I want to be able to go to the bank quickly, meaning I want to build my consulting business. And the best way to do that is through the guests. That-
1: that's that's terrific advice. And I think it actually applies across different professions, whether you're a business person who's trying to build your network or a lawyer. I think what you just shared is, is really important. So what are the downsides? I mean, we've talked a lot in this episode and the last one about what the upside is with respect to new media and getting entrenched in that space. What are some of the minuses and things that people need to keep in mind as they are embarking on looking for the best ways to get their message out?
0: Yeah, this is a great question because this is the question that we get not asked the most, but this is the action that we see most often happens. People spend so much time getting ready and not enough time actually doing that they look at that as unfortunately their busyness is their failure. So within the new media space, let's just take podcasting for an example. As you are growing your podcast, when you're starting your podcast, you have to build the template of your show. So you're building your your intro and your outro and your voiceover and the royalty free music and the and the show notes and the cover art and you're establishing the relationship with Libsyn and iTunes. And there are literally 37 steps to starting a podcast. Just like there's probably multiple steps in starting a blog because you have to have your your website together and you have to have your content calendar and you, you know. So all of these things, social media promotion and engagement with your community, all of those things. If you look at them as an overall big high like oh my gosh this is overwhelming there is no way i'm ever going to be able to do any of these things or all of these things and what i would say is don't focus on the overall picture focus on one bit at a time let's get your voiceover together let's get your microphone set up let's put your show notes together let's understand what we have our hands on so one of the drawbacks in this new media space is that it can be overwhelming And I would encourage everybody, just don't look at it as a big pie. Look at it as one little project, one campaign, one blog post, one podcast episode, uh, one social media post, one engagement. We built an audience of two million, one person at a time. And if you focus on one person at a time, it gets a lot more manageable than focusing on, oh my gosh, how am I ever gonna get to two million? I'm just never gonna get there. We didn't have a goal of two million, we had a goal of making our listeners happy.
1: And had a goal of having at least one listener out there right beside yourself.
0: Right, having one other listener, I remember the first it was probably the first 17, 18 episodes, at least the first seventeen or 18, probably 20, 50, a hundred episodes. We are like, "Can we get anybody other than my mom and my cousin to listen <laughs> to my show?" We would be in that we were in the single digits, Tina, for months on our show. And are it you took serious
1: us- in terms of number of downloads?
0: It took us 17 months to get to 20,000 downloads. In the first, I would say six months, we were only at a couple thousand. So look at the progression here. 17 months to get to 20,000 downloads. The next 17 months, we went from 20,000 to 1.7 million.
1: Okay. That's crazy. Wow.
0: It's how exponentially your community will grow when you focus on the right things to build your business. In that particular case, we were ultra consistent. We were ultra consistent with our releasing of our podcast episodes, ultra consistent with our engagement on social media, ultra consistent with our community building, ultra consistent with our engagement. All of the things that we would do, we were ultra consistent at. And we were in the beginning, if you were to take that cross section and look at five months into it when we had probably 3,000 downloads or whatever Mm -hmm. it was, I'm like, we will never grow this podcast. We will never grow this podcast. And we just had hope that our fly, Strickland used to, my co-host used to tell me the story of the flywheel, you know, Uh I'm like, Strickland, dad, please tell me the flywheel story. Again. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's like the flywheel takes an inordinate amount of energy to get moving. But once it gets moving, it, it rolls under its own power. And right now we could not stop this thing if we tried.
1: That's pretty amazing. So just a couple of comments to what you said. First of all, as I mentioned in the last episode, you were the one, you and Strick and your team are just so terrific. And you helped me get my podcast off the ground. You gave me the advice that you just gave our listeners, which is, you know, you've got terrific content. You need to just get it out there. And trying to seek perfection is actually going, which is what lawyers do. And obviously all professionals too, but lawyers in particular, I think are perfectionists. And you gave me the great advice. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. You just need to get it out there because if you just stay stuck in the preparatory mode, you're never going to actually get it out there, and you can't get momentum if you don't have something out there. So that is terrific. And also, so my podcast started in February, and I'm about I'm a little over 1,500 downloads in, and it's exciting to look at those statistics and metrics that you were discussing with me a little bit a little while ago about how you sort of measured the efficacy of what you're doing. And so, I mean, I would love to get to 2,000, 3,000, 10,000, you know, as as quickly as possible. But I I hear what you're saying that it's a process.
0: And the other thing that you you always should do, or you should probably never do in this particular case is never compare your beginning to someone else's middle. You know, somebody looks at, let's say our podcast and say, oh my gosh, I will never get to 2 million downloads. And I'm like, yeah, because you're looking at it wrong. Don't even worry about, uh, we looked at people that were, we're three. I look at a guy like John Lee Dumas that gets uh, 3 million downloads per episode. And That's I'm amazing. like, oh my God. And, and he's six years into his podcast. And I keep thinking, we're never going to get there. And it doesn't matter if we ever do get there because our business model is completely different than him. And for us to have 6 million downloads or 3 million or 2 million downloads per episode, it doesn't really matter because we're not really focused on our audience growth what we're focused on is our guest management tool. There's a bunch of different ways to make money using podcasting as your tool. And the way that we have it is different than the way John Lee Dumas, who is a pioneer in the podcasting world, does it. And it's okay. We don't have to compare ourselves, nor do you have to compare yourself to another attorney that has a podcast that might be a year down the road from you and have a gazillion downloads. It, just, it doesn't matter because his goals are different than yours.
1: Right. So as a consultant, I mean, you obviously worked with me and continue to work with me on a regular basis um, as the podcast is launched and it continues to go on. And there di- obviously as time goes on, there are different things that I'm trying to do with it. And you and I talk about that, you know, for those listeners out there that are committed to or even just thinking about launching something like a podcast and, and being an expert in how to do that. Um, Do you have any preliminary advice for our listeners out there about how you start engaging with a client about launching a podcast and, you know, get, you know, some initial tips on how people can monetize it and take advantage of that platform?
0: Sure. Again, a very good question. So the first thing that we do when we have a conversation with somebody is we just try to understand what their strategy is, what is, or what their goals are, sorry, what they they are hoping to accomplish with their podcast. Some people are looking to become influencers in their space. That's a whole different answer than somebody that says, well, I just want to make money from my show. And it's a whole different strategy once you come up with that goal. So there are really three types of guests that you can have on your show if you're a podcaster. One will help you become an influencer, one will help you build your brand, and one will help you make money. It may be a combination of those three types of people if you have a guest or an interview-based show that you're going to focus on. If somebody comes to me and they say, I only want to make money from my show, that's all I'm interested in doing it. I'm like, okay, do you want to make money slowly or do you want to make money quickly? Now, It's interesting because some people might think, well, everybody wants to make money quickly. Well, no, not necessarily. Some people want to make money through building their network and community, which takes a lot longer than building money by having a consultant-based podcast that is monetizing your show through having guests come on your show that buy the services and the products that you provide. So let me say that again. Some people want to build a community and some people want to go to the bank. And either way is a way to make money from your show. The traditional methods of building a podcast monetization tool would be things like advertising, sponsorship, right, affiliation with other people that are in your similar um, space or or industry, um, calls to action, and donations. I mean, that is the traditionally the way that most people make uh, money from their podcast. The issue with that is it takes a lot of time because you have to build a community before you can sell products and services to your community. The faster way is to build a guest management tool where you bring on clients that could actually buy the services that you provide as a consultant. Now you may not be a consultant, so you may say, well, I don't have a consulting practice. Great. Well, that's another step in the process. Mm -hmm. That means one of your strategies in making money from your podcast, if your job, if your goal is to make money from your show, one of the strategies is develop a consulting tool, a consulting arm to your legal practice or develop a a coaching tool to your legal practice that will help you to monetize from bringing on guests that are perfectly situated to buy the products and the services that you offer. And we do focus a lot on that tool with many of our clients, but we also focus on the other side, which is helping you monetize your show through advertising, sponsorship, affiliation, donations, and calls to action for the services that you have. So either way that you go, so you can see that you can make money in a variety of different ways using your show as the tool, but it depends on what your goals are, and it, and we'll develop a, help you develop a strategy that will meet the goals of the uh, of the strat, of the um you know of the of the the goals that you have for your show. We will help you develop a strategy to meet those goals.
1: That's terrific. So, for people in the audience who are thinking, okay, I think I want to do a podcast or to otherwise leverage new media, do you have any advice for people or? I mean, you're very encouraging of people participating in this space. Are there any words of wisdom based on your experience as a consultant, as well as getting your own podcast off the ground and watching some other friends do the same thing? Do you have any advice you'd like to give for those who are looking to do it, but maybe shouldn't do it? Do you have any advice for people out there about when they shouldn't do this?
0: Well, you don't want to do it when your life is in transition. The The challenging part is saying, I just left my job and I want to start a podcast because I need to make money. And what I would say to you is, great, but go get a job to pay the bills. You know, my dad always used to tell me as he was, um, as I was in between jobs in the early 90s, he said, the first thing you need to do is you need to stop the bleeding, meaning you need to stop the bills from coming. You can't stop the bills from coming in, but you need to stop the money flow out and no no income coming in. Right. So what I would tell you is you don't want to start a podcast or start this whole new media space trying to, you know, blogging or YouTubing or Facebook living or any of that stuff when you're in desperate mode. You want to put yourself in a position where you're comfortable, where you know that you have three months, six months, nine months, a year worth of income in the bank um, and and get started. Now, that doesn't mean to say that if you don't have if you have a lot of support behind you, you certainly can do it faster than that but why put all the pressure on yourself? So I would say the worst time to do it is when you're in a transitional period. So get yourself steady uh, so that you're not desperate because the worst thing to do is make decisions in a desperate mode. So just take your time and just keep moving forward. Take baby steps, action items to, to, uh, to just keep this, keep your, your, your plan moving forward, regardless of whether it is starting a blog or getting active on social media or starting a podcast or starting a YouTube channel, any of those things require a time and effort and a a lot of energy too. Because if you're doing this, in addition to doing a full-time job, that can also be a little bit challenging too, as you could probably attest to the fact that there's probably been some Saturdays or Sundays where you get to, or you're like, oh no, I don't have an episode to post on Tuesday. What am I going to do? Right.
1: Well, it's, but it's a passion of mine. And I sort of, my frame of reference on it is that it's hobby that I love doing. And I think that there has to be an element of that too, is as you mentioned earlier, if you don't enjoy the format, if you don't enjoy the act of writing a blog, for example, or filming a YouTube video, then it makes it seem much more like work than I think it really needs to. If you find the right media and medium, then I think that it ends up being a lot more fun.
0: Yep, I agree. I agree. You have to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, you won't do it, especially when you're not making any money from it. It'll just seem like a drain of resources. If, you know, the joke that I have with all of my clients is that if every time you opened up your microphone, you made $5,000, how many times do you want to open up your microphone every week? All the time. <laughs> all the time, right? Because, I'd because want to sleep
1: my, on the microphone.
0: <laughs> I'd want to sleep on the microphone also. So the reason that we have, that we do five episodes a week and in some cases up to ten episodes a week is because every time we open up our microphone, we are making money. Not because of sponsorship and affiliation and donations or you know or advertising. It's not it's not all that stuff. It's because we are an interview-based show. And we turn our guests into our clients, into our podcast production clients or my speaking business clients or my uh, online training clients. So for me, every time that we bring uh, somebody on our show as an interview, there's a potential that they're going to buy the stuff that we have. And I don't force anybody to buy it. And I'm not a hard salesperson and I don't pitch my products to them. But I know that if I develop a relationship with them, they're either going to go in my network or they're going to become a client of mine, period, the end. And so for me, the success is not... Is not in the, I'm just getting busy and getting all these people on the show. The success is actually in closing deals to get people to buy the products and services or get into my network. I approach my podcast professionally. If I treat it like a hobby, I'm going to have hobby results. Right. I put a lot of money into my podcast. I put a lot of money into the production. We have a team of seven people behind us that build, help build our podcast. In the beginning, it was just me and Strick when we were doing all of the work ourselves. And now we understand the value of having somebody that understands social media, a much younger person than me do that stuff. But I was doing social media all myself in the beginning. So it is really about treating it like it is a something that is a potentially a seven-figure business, which again, in 2019, our goal is to make this a seven-figure business. So you can't develop a seven-figure business with a half-assed attitude. You right. have to approach it with a, a full attitude, a full positive attitude of this is going to be big business for us.
1: Well, and that is terrific. And I just, I have full confidence that you guys are going to reach your goal because you've got a terrific show. You've got a terrific business. You're helping people take an idea from a very nascent concept and converting it into reality and, you know, getting their message out there. And so it's a very powerful thing. And I can tell you for myself, I can't tell you how much I appreciate everything that you've done to help me. Do this, and to thank you for you know, I guess helping the podcast landscape and helping other people get their messages out too.
0: With clients that have the attitude that you have, Tina, and the get to you know the the motivation that most people, unfortunately, they they come to us or many people come to us and they're like, okay, do it for me, and I'm like, well, no, that our consulting fee does not include us doing it for you. Our consulting fee teaches you how to do it for yourself, and it's so much better. And more satisfying for you if you're able to actually do the stuff that you need to do. I mean, we, can, we have clients that we do everything for them. And as soon as we stop doing something for them, they get, they, they get upset with us or they don't feel like they're accomplishing what they should be accomplishing because they're relying upon us. If you rely upon yourself, you're going to do much better than you rely upon our our resources. I promise you, this is a worthwhile, and the new media space is extremely worthwhile. I encourage people listening to this to, at some level, get involved, whether it's social media or YouTubing or podcasting or blogging. Get involved in something that you love and go back and listen to the last episode that we did because we covered that in, uh, in in detail.
1: Very cool. So our time is almost up. I have one last question I'd love to ask you, which is, what do you know now about New media about your personal journey through your different professional experiences to where you are today. What do you know now that you wish you knew back then?
0: Geez, uh, what the the thing that came to mind immediately when you said that is, and I'm not a religious person, but I have some spiritual beliefs there. But I'm just going to say the word God in some sort of some sort of way that that maybe it resounds with the people that are that are in your community. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> Everything that you count on that you thought was going to happen, this new media space changes so quickly and it is so different than anything that you've ever done before. Expect there to be constant shifts in the landscape. You know, things like uh, Instagram were really nowhere on the forefront when when we first started our podcast three and a half years ago. It was around, but it was nowhere near as popular as it is right now. And we have a, a pretty big Instagram following. Twitter. It is no longer about showing what I eat for breakfast anymore. It is now used as a business development tool. The podcast space itself has evolved and changed and grown. We used to be just a content-based show, uh, just providing content, and we were so structured. The, the, the moment that we changed that to a more free-flow conversation with interviews and just enjoying the conversations that we had with people and less focused on business and more focused on sharing with people who this guest was and what they were all about, you know, personally, their business grew as a result of it. So what I would tell you is that if I had any advice that I could give to somebody that would be 5, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years younger than me about this new media space, it would be expect to be to, to have constant shifts. Don't get your feet stuck in something that you can't get out of or can't shift. Well, don't don't stay in the same lane, make sure you understand that the lanes are constantly going to shift and you have to be willing to shift with them. And I, I guess that would be the advice that I would give to, to my, myself even just a handful of years ago when I thought, well, I'll just start a podcast. Everything will be great. I got to start it, come up with a format and, and everything will be fine. Well, we've changed that format and the style of the show probably 15 times in the last three and a half years and almost 700 episodes of our show.
1: Wow. That's pretty amazing. That's great advice. So do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share before we sign off and how can listeners reach you?
0: So if somebody wants to get in touch with us, just go to uh, turnkeypodcast.com. I'm sure that Tina or our team will put in the show notes the link to get to our website. The advice that I would probably tell everybody that's listening to this is advice that my dad gave me probably in the late 80s, early 90s. It would be just don't be afraid to fail. I mean, it is really okay to do something. And again, I look at my goals in 2017 and 2018. And not that there was failure in that, but don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to shift. Don't be so stuck in your ways that you can't be fluid and flexible enough to make some changes. My life professionally and personally in the last year has really changed drastically. I mean, most of it for the better. But when you're in it at the time, you feel like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. How am I ever going to, how am I ever going to get out of this? How am I ever going to get my brain in the right, in the right position? But man, things happen for a reason. Life changes, just be anticipating the changes. Don't be so stuck in your old patterns that uh, that you're afraid to fail, give up, move on to something else. Opportunity rises out of the ashes, okay? The phoenix rises yeah. out of the ashes. You just be the, be the phoenix, okay? Don't be the fire and don't be the ashes.
1: Very cool. That's great advice. And Doug, I'm so happy that we had this chance to speak on new media. And I'm sure that we will be chatting again soon on Paradigm Shift and maybe on The Nice Guys about other topics.
0: Awesome. I'm looking forward to having you on uh, our show. We'll have to get you on the show when it's you, me, and Strickland because I know that Strick loves to have the conversation with you.
1: Oh, it's awesome. The last time I appeared, which I think was probably about a couple months ago now, that was a hilarious and such a fun time together.
0: Yeah, we will get you. If you want to hear the real Tina Martini, not that she's not (laughs) being real here, but you want to hear the unfiltered, explicit Tina Martini. Oh, stop. (laughs) <laughs> come, on, come on to the Nice Guys on Business show, everybody. It's right on iTunes or Overcast or wherever you get your podcast. We, uh, we do have a lot of fun, but don't have any small children in the car when you're listening to the episodes because it, it gets a little bit crazy. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, I really appreciate you joining me today, Doug, and uh, we'll chat soon.
0: Thanks, Tina. Thanks again.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. I hope that you've enjoyed my discussion with Doug on New Media for Lawyers. We hope that you will join us for our next episode. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.